You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show, episode 215, If I Could Put Time in a Bottle. Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's The Jeff Caven Show. Thank you for joining me once again. I'm Jeff Cavins, and it is so good to have you uh, with me. I love sharing this time with you, talking about all things discipleship and scripture and life. Well, you know, something happened to me at Mass last week. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, where uh, you listen to the words being spoken in Mass, and then suddenly something is said, and you think, oh my I've never heard that before. That is powerful. Now, I know this happens in Scripture. I've been studying Scripture for about 45 years, and it's it's really not that unusual in the morning when my wife and I are reading Scripture that, you know, one of us or both of us will say, I've never, I've never heard that before, at least not like that. And that's what happened to me this last Sunday in the Eucharistic prayer. I'm going to talk about that in just a few minutes, but I want to kind of set the table here by asking you a question. Is your experience in Mass, your experience in worshiping on Sunday, and if you go to Mass every single day, your experience in Mass every day or on Sunday, does that have an impact on the rest of the week for you? Now, I know we say the words at the end of the Mass, uh, go in peace to love and serve the Lord, and we say amen to that. And so we are uh, technically supposed to be taking something from the Mass and going out and serving the Lord throughout the week. And whatever it is that we received or experienced in the Mass should have an impact on the rest of your week. And wow, my eyes were opened up this week to one simple phrase, which I'm going to give you, which kind of transformed me this week. And I love when that happens, don't you? Where, where you hear something and you think, I'm never going to forget that. That is solid gold for me. Well, in 1973, I was a freshman in high school, and one of my favorite artists at that time was... Uh, a guy that was really becoming more well-known, his name was Jim Croce. Jim Croce was a, a singer-songwriter, and he wrote a song called If I Could Put Time in a Bottle. And I think it was about, I think it shot up about to number one about three months after he died in a plane crash in 1973. That's when it rose to number one. And anybody that was raised in that era of uh, 71 through 77, that song is part of their growing up repertoire. And if you were born after that, no doubt you've heard the lyrics before, and they're so beautiful. In fact, it's, it's probably one of the most beautifully written songs that I've ever heard. And if you haven't heard it, it goes, and I'm not going to sing it, don't worry, I don't want to ruin this for you, but it says, if I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do is to save every day till eternity passes away just to spend it with you. And if I could make days last forever, and if words could make wishes come true, 
We'd walk through the fields of ripening corn, and time would flow through us and you. And I'd save every day like a treasure, and then again and again I'd spend it with you. And then he goes on and says, if I had a box just for wishes and dreams that had never come true, the box would be empty except for the memory of you, of time they were answered by you. <laughs> it just goes on and on, and it's really beautiful, and you can look it up on uh, on the internet and get the whole song if you'd like to. But it really does say something very special, and that is that time is very, very important. And not only time and how we spend it, but the quality time that we have in our life. And if I asked you to go back into your memory, to your childhood, or your growing up, or your dating years, or your early working years, there would be certain moments that would stand out as being different than most of the days that you experienced, because most of the days that you experienced were common. They were everyday types of things. You went to work, you came home, you you read the paper, or today you look at your phone, and and um, you might watch the evening news or something like that, and day after day, things are pretty much the same. But then suddenly something comes up and it, it kind of shouts at you that this is different. <laughs> this is different. Now, that happened to me this last week. But also when you read the Bible about Abraham, for example, or David, it's important to remember that most of their days, most of Abraham's days were like yours, where he did what he needed to do as a husband and father and his job and, you know, leadership skills, all of that. Those were common things in his life, but there were a few days where that time changed and it was, it was different. Well, this last Sunday in the Eucharistic prayer number one, uh, it was a, a, the Thanksgiving portion, second Sunday in Easter. Here's the, the word, the paragraph that was said by uh, our priest, Father Zarin. You know, I get a lot of good ideas during Mass, things that hit me, and I, I typically would take my phone out and write this down, but Emily's always reminding me, think people are going to think you're texting, so I bring a notebook with me. So here, here's where the, these were the words in Eucharistic prayer number one. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family, order our days in your peace and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Now, that was the, the paragraph that was, was recited on the second Sunday in Easter, and the one phrase that jumped out at me, and I thought, whoa, I haven't heard that. That hit me differently. It was the phrase, order our days in your peace. Just say that once with me. Order our days in your peace. Now that really hit me. And I thought about that for a moment that God, what if you what if our days were ordered in your peace? Now we go through the liturgical calendar and we have Advent and Lent and you know Easter, Christmas, but by and large the most number of days in the liturgical calendar are what we call ordinary days. And that doesn't mean they're just ordinary like blah, but they are ordinary, meaning they are ordered. They are ordered. 
And so right off the bat as Catholics, we know that our days are ordered according to the liturgical calendar. But here in the Eucharistic prayer, the priest says, order our days in your peace. Now, I broke that paragraph down. I came home, I looked it up, and I wrote it down and kind of parsed it. (laughs) And I came up with really four major things in that Eucharistic prayer. The one about ordering our days in your peace is the one I want to talk to you about. But uh, the four things were, number one, graciously accept this oblation of our service. Okay, that's how we participate in the Mass. Number two, order our days in your peace. Number three, command that we be delivered from eternal damnation. Not a bad thing, huh? And number four, and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Now, we could do a podcast on each one of those, no doubt. And each one hit me as I came home and started to meditate throughout the day on those four parts of that Eucharistic prayer. But it was the second one, order our days in your peace, that really, really hit me. And that led me on to a little study about time, which brought me back to 1973 and Time in a Bottle, If I Had Time in a Bottle, by George uh, Jim Croce. You know, number one, I would say this. The ancient Greeks, they had two words for time. And you know both of them probably. The first one was chronos, chronos, and the second was kairos. Now, keep track of those for a moment because I'm going to try to weave this together, and I think it's going to make a big difference in the way you see the relationship between mass and uh, the rest of the week. So the Greeks had two words for time, chronos and kairos. The first was chronos, which we still use in words like like chronological or, you know, and another words like a chronograph or that type of thing, and it, it refers to clock time. Uh, that we we can measure in in seconds and minutes and hours and in years. It is the minute by minute passing of time, Chronos, and we're all familiar with that. And where Chronos is quantitative, Kairos is qualitative. That's the difference between Chronos and Kairos. Chronos is quantitative. You're 42 years old. An hour went by. 84 seconds went by, 10 seconds went by. That's chronos. So where chronos is quantitative, kairos, that's different. That's qualitative, qualitative. I got up in the morning and I ate breakfast and then I I, uh, took a shower and I brushed my hair and brushed my teeth. I got dressed, okay, this is chronos. And then I went to the church and got married. That's kairos, that's qualitative. Two hours of qualitative time. So kairos measures moments, not seconds. It measures moments and not seconds. Furthermore, it refers to the right moment or the opportune moment. You could say an opportunity, the perfect moment. And it's, it's difficult to describe that feeling that you might have if, if you've never experienced it before. But if you have... Maybe you describe that kairos moment that was different than the rest of the minutes throughout the day. You may have described it as heavenly. Oh, that was heavenly. That was so otherworldly. That was was above the clouds. Kairos has a spiritual sense to it. Time that is lifted out of the ordinary business 
of Kronos life. Nothing for a moment. What have been the Kairos moments in your life? Those moments that were lifted out of Kronos, where no, it wasn't just another day. It was a day beyond days. It was heavenly. Kairos, it has this spiritual sense to it. Now, Ecclesiastes tells us a little bit about about time when it says, uh, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, and so on. Now, in the first Greek translations of the Bible, you know it as the Septuagint, each use of the word time in that passage in Ecclesiastes is rendered as kairos, not chronos. It's an opportunity. It's lifted above chronos, a time to die. That isn't just another minute. A time to plant is not just another minute. The time to reap is not. The time to kill, that is certainly not chronos. It is different. And we say things like, you, you probably have used this one. I know I've used this one so many times. You know, I'll be sitting with my wife out on the boat on a lake and we have uh, something to drink and some snacks and we're looking out, the sun's going down and I say, you know, it just doesn't get any better than this. That's Kairos. When you find yourself in Kairos time, you completely lose track of Kronos time. Do you remember when you were dating back in high school and you were with that, that special guy or that special girl? You lost time. When you're in love, you lose time. It's a state of flow, as they would say today. A state of flow is activated and it cannot be measured, but only experienced. That's what we're talking about here. Put simply, we, we would say that we are to rest in peace. That's another way of saying rest in heaven. And as peace stands, uh, stands in for heaven here, I would suggest to you that in the Roman canon, peace has the additional meaning. Now, there were different instances in the Bible where New Testament characters certainly experienced kairos, something extraordinary out of time. And when we come back from the break, I want to go through that with you and give you some suggestions on what, on what Monday through Saturday might be like because of the Kairos moment in Mass. You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show. Did you know that every single item in a Catholic church points us towards heaven? Make every visit to a Catholic church a powerful reminder of God's presence with a new book from Ascension, The Sacred That Surrounds Us by Andrea Zachman. The Sacred That Surrounds Us awakens Catholics to the mystery of the seemingly ordinary items we see every week at Mass. It explains with clarity the symbolic realities and historical facts of each one. To order The Sacred That Surrounds Us, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Thanks for coming back. It's about time we continued with this podcast. 
Okay, so we're talking about time in a bottle, but more specifically, we're talking about the difference between chronos, which is qualitative or quantitative, and kairos, which is qualitative, right? The experience of most of us is pretty normal, but then there is lifted out of chronos some kairos event. Now, in the New Testament, it was in Luke chapter 24, where you have the Emmaus Road experience, as the disciples were walking away from Jerusalem with their heads hung down, you know, a couple people there, they were, they were walking with their heads down suddenly in the midst of the chronological experience of their day, a Kairos experience rose up as they met Jesus Christ. And that experience of walking with Jesus Christ was different than all the earlier seconds in their day. When they met Jesus, Jesus asks them a question. What are you guys talking about? And they said, well, are you the only one in Jerusalem that is sort of uh, drifty about this little thing that happened in Jerusalem? What happened? How Jesus Christ was crucified. Thought he was going to rise from the dead. Our lives were going to be different. And Jesus began to do what? He began to tell them all about himself in the Old Testament. And they didn't know what was him at that point. But he is talking to them about the salvation history in the Old Testament and how Christ had to suffer all those things. And later on, what did they say? They said, when we were on that road, didn't our hearts burn within us? Kairos, qualitative time. But then it was when he stayed with them and he broke bread that suddenly in the breaking of the bread, their eyes were opened and bang, they saw him for who he was. It was Jesus. And that experience, that qualitative time was different than all the other times. And it would now affect all their chronos from that day forward. Do you see that? Do you see that? So, I remember one, one writer saying, saying, how do we cultivate more of these opportune moments? And I've always been struck by that. How do we cultivate more of these opportune moments, more of these Kairos moments? We know we can't live in them forever, right? I can't live forever on that wedding day in 1978, but I can be affected by that day even till now. 43 years later. But how do we fill ourselves and not just our calendars with moments of Kairos? How do we live our lives, not just chronologically, but in the sense of Kairos? Kairologically, I guess we would say. And when I heard those words in the Eucharistic prayer, order our days in your peace, I think that that is perhaps, first of all, a request from the busy, the very weary Christian, talking about how the world has overcome them in daily life, the stress of COVID, the stress of their work, the stress of children at home. Lord, order our days during COVID and any other, any other difficult time in our life. Order our days in your peace, that we carry the peace of the Mass into the other days of the week. Isn't that powerful? 
don't you see how powerful that is? Paul seemed to understand this when he said in Ephesians chapter 5, and I'll put these in the show notes for you, and if you don't have the show notes, just type my name, Jeff Cavins, one word, and text it to 33777. I'll get you the notes from here and forever. He says in Ephesians chapter 5, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. My friend, I would suggest to you that the one way that you can make the best of use of your time is to live it in light of that Kairos moment, that experience in the Mass, where you experience the Word of God and you experience the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ being given to you and the fact that you have been freed from sin. Philippians 4, Paul said, "...and the peace of God." which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if the priest said, order our days in your peace, then we know that we can take that peace and it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus from Monday through Saturday. Or if you go to Mass every day for the next 23 hours. I love that. He, he, he said in, that was Philippians 4, 7, but then he said in, in verse 8 of Philippians 4, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So he draws this, this correlation, this relationship between uh, having your, your hearts guarded by the peace of, of Christ and also the words in Mass, order our days in your peace. He ties that to what we think about. How can you walk with a guarded heart? How can you experience the peace of God which surpasses all understanding? You have your heart guarded and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's so powerful. You see, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is connected to the mass and the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, and it allows us to be called one of his. We belong to him. We understood this in the mass in that Kairos moment, but it will now color the rest of our week. One of, the, one of the other things that we can learn from this is that the richer meaning of the phrase uh, that, we, that we are looking at here, this tremendous phrase, order our days in your peace, seems to be a reminder that all of our days and our daily work should be ordered around the Mass. That the Mass, whether we make it daily or weekly, is, a, is the principle of, uh, that of that slice of time in which, in which it falls, the mass can permeate all of our life, converting Chronos to Kairos, converting it from quantitative to qualitative. That Monday is is not just quantitative, twenty four hours. It's qualitative with Kairos. How? by taking the Mass into Monday. In some sense, sacred time colors or transforms common time, secular time. 
Another thing, I guess I would say the third Kairos, example of Kairos and, and your participation in the Mass, goes to a whole new level. Participation in the Mass is not merely a slice of time that lifts you up and makes you feel good about God and makes you feel good about life and makes you feel good about yourself. Participation in the Mass is, in fact, participating in the life of heaven itself. And through the Mass, then, if our days are ordered in it, defined by it, and around it, so that its laws and aspirations and language become a, a lived second nature to us through this mass, this experience, daily life itself takes on a foretaste of heaven, a taste of heaven. And we truly could say then, this is heavenly. This feels like heaven. This experience is, is like heaven. It doesn't get any better than this. So we tend to think of our time in a chronos mindset. Let me kind of wrap this up for you here and, and give you just a little bit of encouragement. We tend to think of our time in a, in a chronos mindset, don't we? And that's when we talk about the days are long. And uh, that day was a long day. Wish I could get that back. We think of having 24 hours in a day. We define our work weeks by the number of hours that we work. And how many hours do most people work? Well, in the United States, we call it 40 hours. We're going to have 40 hours of chronos. And boy, I don't really like what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. And this is what I studied for, and I got a job, and I don't like my manager, and I don't like my colleagues, and I wish I could get home earlier, and all the things that go along with a 40-hour work week. We have a list of things to do in the 40 hours and only so much time to get everything done. That's not only true of work, but that's true with all of the hours outside of work. The Kairos moment of the Mass influences our Kronos experience. And so if you have those 40 hours and you have that to-do list and you come home and you have more hours and you've got to-do lists, or you're just plain bored in Kronos, well, the Kairos moment of Mass should influence your Kronos experience. And Paul is saying in Ephesians 5, Paul instructs us to do what? To redeem, to redeem time, to pay attention and take advantage of the opportune times and seasons. And so, Having an opportunity to encourage someone can become a kairos moment. Having the opportunity to share Christ with a stranger can be, can be a kairos moment. Feeding the poor can be a kairos moment. Playing with your children can be a kairos moment. Going on a vacation can be a kairos moment, even a week. I look back at uh, growing up, and, and if you were to ask me, <laughs> if you were to ask me, tell me about all of your days, I'd say, oh man, I can't remember all of that. I can't remember all of that. What did you have for lunch on June 4th, 1973? I have no idea. I have no idea at all. <laughs> but what happened? What happened in February? 
1967, my sister was born. And so that stood out. That was a memory. That was qualitative. And you could go back into your childhood and make a list of all of the Kairos moments growing up. And you could share those with other people that these were the qualitative events in my life. But that, the point I'm trying to make today is that we can go beyond that and make Kairos moments today by paying attention, taking, taking the opportunity to do something. Some moments are more valuable than other moments. The hour I spent with a troubled friend is a more valuable moment than an hour watching network news. I have to take advantage of my opportunities, and it's influenced by the mass and all I received. We must change our view of what effectiveness really is in terms of time. We buy up opportunities or look for opportunities that transcend mere minutes going by. And I'll conclude with this. A disciple has their senses attuned to the slightest hint of an opportunity. A disciple orders his steps in such a way that there is margin to respond to a Kairos moment, a moment of opportunity. So my friend, let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family, Order our days in your peace and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen through Christ our Lord. Amen. My friend, I love you, and I do pray that you will have a phenomenal week. And remember, if you're interested in going to Israel with Father Mike and myself, along with a cast of wonderful Catholic characters, <laughs> Then you can go to my website. It's going to be in June of 2022. We had to cancel it this year due to COVID again, but we'd love to have you with us. And remember that every Thursday, if you're reading the Bible in a year with Father Mike, you can join me on Thursdays at the Ascensions Catholic Scripture Study Facebook page, and I'll give some answers to some of the difficult questions. That's 2 o'clock Eastern one o'clock central. Lord, I thank you for my friends and Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we love you with all of our heart, with all of our heart. And if I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do is to save every day till eternity passes away. And Jesus, I just spend it with you. Help us to live Kairos moments as a result of our experience in the mass. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, have a great week. I love you. 